Welcome to Community Chats, an interview series elevating the voices of community leaders in the Lafayette Oxford University community, an initiative of the University of Mississippi Office of Community Engagement and the Lafayette Oxford Foundation for Tomorrow. Hello, everyone. Greetings and welcome to a new episode of Community Chats. My name is Anthony Saracusa, and I'm the Director of Community Engagement here at the University of Mississippi. And I am joined today, as I am almost always, by my esteemed colleagues, Aaron Paisa Oath and Dr. Jody Holland. Community Chats, as you all likely know by now, is an effort on, on the part of Lafayette Oxford Foundation for Tomorrow and the University of Mississippi to raise up amazing people doing amazing work in our community. We come to you uh, on Wednesdays and Fridays, uh, and we just want to give our community leaders an opportunity to tell their story in their words. What is the work that they're doing? How did they come to be involved in that work? And what are their visions for the future? Would you like to be interviewed on the show? Or do you know someone that we should interview? Please reach out to us on Facebook or at engaged at oldmiss.edu. Today, we have a very special treat for you all. We are going to be flipping the interview table and our colleague Aaron Pizer Oath will be on the other end of the interview. Rather than doing the interviewing, she will be interviewed along with Ike Adams, her esteemed colleague. They're gonna talk a little bit today about the Leaderful Communities Program. Uh, and we wanna be able to highlight and raise up this statewide effort that they led over the last 10 or so weeks. And so without further ado, Aaron and Ike, Welcome to Community Chats. We are so delighted that you can visit with us today. Thank you. Thank you. So glad to be here. Fantastic. Well, look, y'all, let's get right into it. You probably know the drill by now, but let's get started by uh, hearing a little bit from each of you. Um, how did you end up in the Lafayette Oxford University community? Well, I'll start first since I'm here based here in Oxford. Uh, I have lived in Oxford for about a year and a half. Uh, prior to that, I lived in Texas for a number of years. And then prior to that, I am a Carolina girl at heart. So I grew up in North Carolina and spent a lot of time in South Carolina as well. Um, I claim many places home. Um, but really for me, one of the things that has been true wherever I've been is it's felt like home. And that is because of the community work that I've been able to do and getting to know what is special about each place, uh, something about the people, the, their stories. Uh, and so I, I really came to this community engaged work through that lens of what does it look like to build community? And that was true of myself as I was trying to build community for me and new places where I didn't know anyone. And uh, also something I just care deeply about at both a university level and a civic level. Yeah. Well, and Ike, we know you're not technically based in the Lafayette community, but you have some Mississippi roots. And can you tell us a little bit about those roots and maybe how it led you into some of your community work? Yes. Um, like Aaron, um, I've lived in a variety of places uh, over, over my life, life uh, uh, line, uh, but I'm a native Mississippian. I grew up in the Mississippi Delta. I now currently live in Lexington, Kentucky. But interestingly, I, I, when I left the Mississippi Delta uh, in the early 1970s, I left with the idea that I would be coming back home. 
and I got distracted. I lived in a variety of places. And over the last four or five years, I've had an opportunity uh, to try to meet that sort of uh, obligation to be back home. So I try to spend um, at least um, four or five days out of the month in the Mississippi Delta. But you know, due to the, the virus, uh, we haven't been able to do that. But yet at the same time, we did get a chance, uh, Aaron and I, to uh, initiate a program in Mississippi. Well, that's great. That's uh, fantastic. Then, Thank you both. Yeah, and, and I, I kind of want to understand a little bit, how did you guys become part of this Leaderful Communities? Can you tell us about that? Y yes. Um, well, um, we're part of a, a, a group. Uh, Kettering Foundation um, is a, a foundation that has, a, it's a research foundation, and it has as its mission, what does it take? for democracy to work as it should. And one of the benefits of being um, a part of that exchange network, they have a large network in the, in the United States and, and internationally. Uh, so one of the, one of the benefits is, is that you get a chance to meet wonderful people like Aaron. And uh, Aaron had moved from uh, Texas uh, to Mississippi and, and members of the exchange told me about Erin and how wonderful person she is. And we got in contact with each other. And she has this, this strength in doing a variety of things, including um, interviewing, convening forums, and training people. So she happily uh, helped me in training some people uh, in the Mississippi Delta. That's how we, we met each other. Absolutely. And it's, that's, I excited the story. My story is I was moving to Mississippi and you absolutely know one. <laughs> so people told me, hey, here's this person in Mississippi that you should get to know. And I said, please, thank you. <laughs> and uh, so it was wonderful to connect with Ike um, and to have a, a partner here in Mississippi uh, doing work that I already care about. And uh you don't have to talk to Ike Long to just hear his love for the Mississippi Delta, for Cleveland, for Bolivar County come through. And um, his commitment to this community has transcended so, many, so much of his life. And uh, I'm drawn to that. I think passion is contagious. And uh, um, I love doing that community work with people who care deeply about community and bringing people together and helping make communities better. Um, so it was just kind of a natural partnership. We were connected, but we had never met, but we had mutual connections through Kettering. And then this Leaderful Communities program came up because people knew that we were doing some work. Uh, we had done just a little bit of work in the Mississippi Delta, some facilitation training and some forums. Um, and they said, hey, what you're doing sounds like it might be a great fit for this other initiative that they were interested in doing. And um, and they came to us and said, hey, would you be a part of this larger program? And so we signed on and said, okay, maybe this is a framework that can help us do some of the broader work that we want to do, not just in the Delta, but across the state of Mississippi. That's fantastic, y'all. And, and this Leaderful Communities program that you all have uh, talked about that you came together to lead, what is it? What's the mission of this? You want me to decide, Aaron? 
Sure. Um, Jump right in. We we um we chose the uh the notion leaderful communities because we thought that 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 sort of got at what we really wanted to do. And it it it's uh it, we put together a curriculum um that had that in mind of first identifying people who were active in the community, uh, who were already doing uh, uh, good work in their respective communities, and to basically listen to their stories, uh, to see what it was that they were doing in their communities to make them uh, uh, active, their passion, their uh, challenges. And we wanted to essentially uh, provide that framework, uh, the, the academy for 10 weeks, we, we, I think it was 10 weeks, a 10 week uh, sort of a um, commitment from all of those who were active. And we use as an organizing framework uh, uh, six books um, around engaging communities that David Matthews, who is the CEO for the Kettering Foundation had put together. Now, again, the, the, those books were organized and framework, but our primary purpose was to listen to the stories of, of active people in the community. Erin, you wanna kind of add more to that? Sure, um, I'll just add the way it worked out is we had, um, we had 12 participants throughout the program uh, and a mixture of representatives from different geographic communities. So we had a couple that were based here in Lafayette, Oxford. We had some from Tupelo and some from uh, Cleveland, Bolivar County area. Um, and uh, that geographic representation was such a rich part of the program. As Ike said, these were community leaders that were already doing work to make their communities better, addressing issues like gun violence or affordable housing or youth development. And so they got to share ideas, brainstorm strategies, and then really dive in deeply together to what does this mean to broaden this work, to engage more community members? How do we really build our collective capacity to tackle some of these issues well? Um, and the book provided a wonderful framework for those discussions, uh, but then we also just had the opportunity to focus in on some of those projects and I think about how to name and frame issues or how we might develop some, uh, some materials that might lead to more community dialogues and conversations down the road. That's great, y'all. Erin, you, you mentioned these individuals and, and that participate. Can you tell us a little more about this, these team members and who are participating in it and what they do exactly? Sure. Um, so we had, uh, we, we were piloting this program. We weren't sure how many people would be interested in a summer program via Zoom. Normally we would get together face to face. Uh, but we identified some people with whom we already had existing relationships. We knew that they were doing some good work in the community. And uh, we really were drawn to this idea of geographic diversity um, uh, because there's so much power that comes in. One, knowing you're tackling, you're not the only ones tackling an issue. <laughs> and two, just creating kind of this learning community, the support environment where we could really learn and share from each other. Um, Ike and I have been doing this work for years, but we're not experts in community work. Um, 
And so we wanted to create space for all of us to learn from each other and to really explore what does it mean for us to do this and how do we build our collective capacity. Um, so our team members, we had, um, we had a representative from the Tupelo Police Department um, that works in community relations, organizing a community dialogue series. Uh, we have um, an adjunct social work instructor that's uh, tackling gun violence in Tupelo. Uh, we had uh, Janice Carr, who's from the Gordon Cultural and Community Center um, here in Abbeville. Uh, we had um, representatives from Delta State University, uh, faculty members and staff members uh, there we had Kier, um, who works with youth and has a program called Fly Zone that addresses a lot of um, issues relating to youth development and, and really empowers them uh, to see themselves as change makers in the world too. Um, so it was just this broad geographic diversity, broad range of experience, how long they've been doing the work and the context in which people were working um, that just created a lot of synergy and a lot of exchange of ideas and information. That sounds exciting. We also I had, we tried to have uh, racial diversity as well as demographic diversity. And we had some, some, some success with that as well. Um, we're still trying to work on, and, and, and the gathering of people, we're still trying, one of the challenges is to try to make sure we have uh, ideological kind of diversity. The people who may be, uh, um, identify themselves as the uh, left of center and, 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 and the biggest challenge for us is finding and having people who are right of center. So because what we're trying to do is to bring the perspective of the community within our work. And so I think we were fairly successful with our diversity, but yet that's one of our big, that's one of our challenges as we, as we move forward. Well, and, and Ike and Aaron, you know, you sort of named this convening piece, bringing together diverse groups to talk about a host of issues that they're tackling in their communities. If you had to kind of sum up the core need that you're trying to address uh, through this programming, um, how would you all describe that? I would say, um, that it's building our collective capacity, uh, that on a societal level, on a neighborhood level, um, certainly on a state and national level, uh, we, we have a need to develop more skills and capacity to work to address issues that affect our everyday lives and um, to come together across difference um, and, and being able to look at an issue from multiple perspectives and to be able to think about how to bring others into that conversation so we can tackle it. Um, I, I mean, one of the, the fascinating pieces that came out of some of our early conversations was that uh, in this group of people that have been doing all this community work, many of them talked about picking up litter in their neighborhoods. And that's something that um, isn't on many of our radar screens as a high priority, yet more, several people talked about, hey, I just started picking up trash because it needed to get done and I wasn't seeing it, anyone else doing it, and I wanted my neighborhood to look better. And so just that posture of saying, hey, here's this issue and 
Um, I can be frustrated about it. I can be frustrated that other people aren't doing it or I can do something about it. And that agency that so many of these community leaders demonstrated in just starting, and many of them would say, hey, I just told other people, I'm gonna show up to pick up trash on this day. And if other people wanna come along and join in, that's great. But I think uh, uh, that's a little bit tongue in cheek because, uh, because it's such a simple example but I think it, it represents something so much broader that in terms of tackling these issues, we can be frustrated at what's going on at a national level. We can be frustrated that we can't make change happen, or we can find simple small things that we can do that allow us to see ourselves as citizens and see our role as citizens, as people that are contributing to, the, to making our communities a better place. And that gives us a different kind of capacity from which to address more serious issues, whether it's the opioid crisis or whether it's tackling issues around immigration or climate change. It gives us a different framework to say, hey, what are those simple steps that we can do? What is ours to do? And then how do we bring other people in to have larger conversations about tackling some of these issues that are really, really important in our community? Um, whether those are racial, the racial unrest, the tensions around that right now across our country, whether it's gun violence, um, whether it's health and wellness, whether it's affordable housing, all of these are really important issues, but they start with us having a sense to see ourselves as people who have something to contribute to addressing those issues. And I think it was a, a for us, it was a reaffirmation of that, um, uh, ordinary citizens um, were uh, uh, community leaders and that they were active in their communities and, um, and that um, we were hoping that um, in their personal stories about the challenges that they had, the, success, the successes they had, that it would continue to um, help them uh, develop the the capacity and the efficacy to continue to sustain their work uh, through talking to others who had those challenges as well. And when appropriate, and if they were receptive, we have, a, a, through our, our sort of a perspective, we, we have ways um, um, to address some of the, the same issues uh, uh, that they're addressing. So if they wanted to listen uh, to how we could name and frame an issue. Uh, we had the materials to at their disposal that they could use if they were respect, receptive to it. So we had a perspective. We, we, we thought that, um, that from the research that we had gained and the insights we had gained from, from our work with the Kettering Foundation and, and, and other entities, that the democratic practices uh, uh, that we are familiar with could be useful. So if they wanted to um, look at an issue like gun violence and, um, and they were convening people and they had problems with getting the sort of people uh, to convene, then maybe naming and framing the issue uh, in a way in which would allow other peoples to come in may be useful to them. Uh, and if they wanted to convene people um, with a, a variety of perspectives, uh, learning how to facilitate a group uh, with uh, divergent points of view, uh, we had materials and we could give them insight in that if they were receptive to that. Uh, we thought that we could 
help them uh, identify resources that they may not have thought about it, that what's already in their communities and think about other ways in which to look for resources external to their communities. We had some insight on that. And again, if they were receptive to that, we could offer that, that as, a, as, as, as something to do. And more importantly, what we were doing with this group is listening to what they had to say and reflecting on that over a period of time. And we think if you listen to what you've done over a period of time with people and reflect on it, it contains, it helps you uh, contain sustainability over, over a period of time. That's just fantastic to work. What a powerful out. program, y'all. Yeah. I'm just trying to understand, like, as you implement this, what are some of the challenges that you guys faced going through this process? Um, I think for us, one of it was just starting this program this summer when we were in a virtual only environment. Um, we were unsure about technology access or skills, um, how it would work doing it in a remote environment, uh, if that would hinder the conversation or the connection. Um, uh, so I would say that was uh, one of the biggest challenges. Um, and we had some hiccups along the way, but for the most part, the technology worked out fairly well. Um, and then uh, I would say the other challenge is, um, is keeping that balance, creating space uh, to not be seen as the expert and to still um, create space where we can offer tools and resources, as Ike said, um, really wanting to speak in to and build a capacity, but also doing that from a place of, um, of recognizing that these participants were people that were already doing this work and they were really the experts uh, on the grounds in their communities. They knew what the issues were. And so really our role is supporting them and thinking about how we can champion their work and, and encourage them, give them some additional tools to support them in the work that they were already doing. That is powerful. Well, obviously you all have stuck it through. You did this Leaderful Communities pilot. What a powerful model you've put together. Despite the challenges of technology and the pandemic, y'all were able to really advance this. What were some of the, the rewards that kind of kept you going that made you feel like, hey, we're on the right track. We should keep doing this and maybe even think about convening another group. Let me start, Erin. One was the, the stick to itness uh, uh, that the group members had. We, we, we had to uh, limit our group to about 16 because we thought that that would be more than we could handle with the technology. And we had 12 people uh, that consistently participated. And so we were, we were worried that they would give up on us, you know, and all, but they didn't. They, 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 they only miss, and they said to us that that was something that they, it was about the, uh, the right amount of time. They look forward to it. They look forward to, 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 to talking to each other. So that was very rewarding to us and reaffirming. Um, and so I think, I think that's part of it. Um, uh, and I, I believe that we will take that, that sort of reaffirmation to, uh, as we go and refine our curriculum. Uh, and um, I think we're committed to that, we have to try to um, address the question of uh, sustainability. That is, 
to what extent do we play a role, Aaron and I, uh, with this particular group? Uh, they, they talked about get, uh, they wanted to get back together again, perhaps through Zoom, uh, to do certain things. They had some ideas about uh, initiating a web design project. Uh, so the question I, I posed to Aaron and we have to respond to is, is there a role for us uh, to, uh, to help facilitate this, uh, this sustainability? And I don't know the answer to that yet. They wanted t-shirts, for example, uh, uh, and, they, and we're, we're, we're helping with that. So it, they, they really appreciated it. And I really think that, and that whole de de demographic diversity, you know, they, mm -hmm. Tupelo is noted in the Kettering community as a place where over the years they've changed uh, to, to make that city a better place to live. So, so to have people from Tupelo as a part of this group was, was, was instructive. Um, uh, there's so much about this work that is rewarding to me. Um, I love it one, um, because I'm not often the person on the ground doing direct service or actively addressing these issues. It's really rewarding to me to, um, to hear about that work, to, to be with people that, that are on the front lines of tackling some of these issues and moving the conversation forward. Um, so I, that's just one of the parts I get excited about. You know, it turned out a couple of different weeks, we would just turn it over to somebody to share an update on their projects or the work that they were doing. And um, that's just really energizing for me to hear about the good work going on. Um, and I think what Ike said, their response to it is, is what, is the measure of success because we didn't have any specified outcomes. We didn't know exactly um, what is our end game with this. We, we had this goal of starting to lay the foundation for building our collective community capacity to tackle community problems. Um, but seeing them talk about, hey, uh, this has given me new ways to think about the conversations that I'm hosting around um, fair housing. And I realized that when I label it fair housing, it's really hard to get landlords to show up and be a part of the conversation. Um, and so how can I just think about the language that I'm using to accomplish the goal? Um, and so some of those were the small wins that just were easy along the way. And I think just seeing them want to continue the conversations, wanting to see them to support each other's work. Several of them work in youth development. So they were talking about, hey, will you come be a guest speaker with my youth? And, will you? and I think just building those networks is what's really rewarding for me because that is sustainable. Long after Ike and I aren't around, if they still have connections and people that they can come to to say, hey, I'm tackling this problem or uh, what are you doing over here? I I'm doing this, how can we partner together? then that's huge. Uh, I mean, we, we hope to continue this work going forward. We hope to engage more people um, in this curriculum. We also hope these individuals will continue to do that. Um, so it's a, uh, all of that is rewarding for me, just being a part of seeing other people do really good work and to be able to support and encourage them in that process. Yeah, well, you know, I, Aaron, I'm 
very curious, you know, how can people in the community get involved um, with this program? That's just a great opportunity, it seems like. I think at this point, just reach out to one of us and let us know. Um, we hosted the program this summer, so this 10-week program is done. We have tentative plans to offer another edition next summer. Uh, and so if, you're, if it's piqued your interest, if it's something you think you might be interested in, let us know and we can let you know when we have other iterations. But also if you're doing really great work around a particular issue, then reach out to us and just share that as well. We would love to learn from you, love to think about ways we can connect you with other people doing similar work in the areas. Um, I think this is uh, uh, work that we would love to see grow across the state of Mississippi. Um, we, uh, we're fortunate to have partnerships with, with different colleges and universities, different communities, and thinking about how can we learn from each other and tackle some of these issues collectively. That's great, y'all. Well, this is our one minute moment. Aaron, you're very familiar with this. And Ike, this is an opportunity for y'all uh, to, to share with the Mississippi community, uh, the world, our viewers, all the folks tuning in from all over the planet. Uh, what is the message that you want to leave them with today? And uh, if y'all each need one minute, that's totally fine. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to take a minute because uh, I'm probably less than a minute, but I, I just wanted to add to who I, who I am. I left uh, the Mississippi Delta in uh, 1972, I believe, 71, 1971, with the idea that I would come back in two years uh, to my community. Well, I got distracted. Um, I went to New York um, uh, to get a, a degree, and I ended up uh, going to uh, Minnesota for another degree. I came back to the Mississippi Delta and taught one year at Delta State uh, with an ABD, but needed more uh, support. So I went out to, to California. So it's been a long time for me uh, getting back to where I wanted to start in 1972. Uh, the Mississippi Delta is a very important place for me. Um, unfortunately, it didn't have the options for me at that time to stay in a place where I, I, I love. Uh, I had to go outside of the state because of all of these um, hindrances. And I don't want that for a young person like myself. I want them to have the options. To, if they want to leave the state of Mississippi, they can. And if they want to leave the, uh, the Mississippi Delta, they can. But I want them to have the option to stay in a place if they love it. And that's what I think uh, uh, drives me in something like this, is to address some of the problems that people have about our state of Mississippi. And to, to, to turn that around where people think of the Mississippi as a place to love and a place with opportunities. And I think a program like what we're trying to do, that is creating the capacity of people to make those changes will allow for kids like myself in 1970, or young adults like myself, to have that choice of staying in a place that they love. Yeah, um, that 
it fits well with what my message would be because uh, I think I'll just keep mine simple. It's learn to love your community. And for me, that was one of the gifts in this pandemic, not being in Mississippi very long at all, uh, being encouraged to stay at home, um, led me to discover my neighborhood in a new way uh, because it was my outlet and running around my neighborhood. I got to know my neighbors and I started to feel really connected to this place. And that can come in many different ways, but uh, tapping into that love of our communities where we see, yeah, we see the challenges, but we also see the gifts of the places that we're in. And we see ourselves as something to contribute a part of that. And that's huge. And uh, you don't have to have a degree to do that. You don't have to have a position to do that. It can start with something as simple as picking up trash <laughs> or um, cleaning up your yard or whatever it is. But, um, but when we see ourselves as part of a larger community, it changes our posture and it just opens up so much potential and it just feeds that love. I mean, uh, 1972 to 2020 and you still hear just Ike's love of his community and I've been fortunate to be a part of communities like that that I just have deep roots and connections because I just have fallen in love with those places and they're forever in my heart and uh and we need to do that collectively and if we can do that we can really make our communities a better place for all of us well said That is fantastic, y'all. And what a powerful, powerful message to leave our listeners with. Love your community, even if that love takes you around the country, but ultimately leads you back to that place. Uh, what, a, what a wonderful North Star uh, for our listeners and community chats uh, to, to be thinking about as they consider how they can contribute in meaningful ways to the growth and prosperity of their communities. Ike and Aaron, we are just so lucky to have had y'all today. We're lucky to have y'all doing this work in the state of Mississippi. And I just wanna thank you for offering the Leaderful Communities Program and for really demonstrating to the world how democratic practice can bring people together, how dialogue can lead to learning, shared experiences that can ultimately lead to constructive processes to build a better place. So thank you, Ike, and thank you, Aaron, so much for your work and for being on Community Chats today. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. And thank you all for tuning in. Um, as you know, you can find us on Facebook. We've also got our Spotify channel up and going so you can hear this as a podcast. You can see it on YouTube, on our YouTube channel. So please like this video, share it, comment on it, raise it up, put it out there in the world. This incredible work that Aaron and Ike are doing deserves to have a wide, wide audience. In the meantime, stay safe, stay engaged, and we'll see you next time on Community Chats. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Mississippi Office of Community Engagement and the Lafayette Oxford Foundation for Tomorrow.